on the crew troy chris dylan soon to be joined by another maybe maybe two i'm not sure i think we've got Corey jason calling in he's at the world series he's getting ready for game two out in arlington texas Corey, do we have you there hey guys what's going on hey Corey, how are you good good guys how was the uh, Cor- by the way Corey is a wrsu alum graduated last year who was with the station called a, uh, a whole lot of games for the station was on uh the founding year of the crew so we're, we're happy to have Corey back um he made the trek out to arlington texas all the way from new jersey to catch game two of the world series i believe you are there with steven nelson as well and is is connor is muffin there with you too um i don't know if i'm at liberty to say if muffin is here or not oh i don't I, think I don't he's there actually i don't know if i'm allowed to say that but it's you guys it's got me. a non-disclosure. You guys got What's me. What's that? You, you All right, you, we've got you. Steven, Steven's not coming, right? <laughs> Steven is not going to be on the call. All right, that's good. It, that's it, good. It, Just want to make sure. Right, All right, well. It's a, it's a loud stadium, so it might take me a second. No worries. No worries. How was the, uh, how was the trip out there? Do you think it's going to be worth, I mean, how many hour drive was it? Was it a 20-hour drive? A, it was a, a nice three-and-a-half-hour flight. Oh, you flew? Yeah. Oh, interesting, interesting. I thought. I guess the, the plans may have changed a little bit. I think you guys took the better option of flying, though. We, we, we considered all options in terms of getting down here. We decided to fly. was not a bad flight at all. That's good. That's good. How is, the, uh, how is the atmosphere? Does it feel like you finally made it? I mean, is this your first World Series? This is my first World Series, yes, and it is a... It is an amazing atmosphere. There's a buzz in the air. The TV doesn't do Globe Life Park justice. It is just a magnificent field. Now, where, where are you guys sitting? So when I'm watching on TV tonight, I can keep an eye out All right. for you. So we are sitting just to the foul side of the left field foul pole, up at the top of the foul pole. Okay. We'll we'll make sure to keep an eye out for there for you. Um, yes, you'll see. I, I'm not sure. It's called, if you watch the game, it's called uh, Car Box Brewing up at the top. We are sitting literally right in front of that. Great. Right by we'll there, keep an eye out for you. Wood chairs up there. We're sitting right in front of that. Deep make sure to. Left, what are you wearing? So we can. We... See, I'm wearing a Yankee hat and a Black Players Weekend Yankee jersey. Oh, I'm sure people love you. I'm sure people are huge. Let's fans go, Yanks! Of you. I love to see it's, it. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Not getting ripped too much. If you really want to see us, one of the people I'm with is wearing like a neon light blue shirt, and then uh, another person's wearing a Texas Rangers Prince Fielder's jersey. So, if you I want know to see who, it, I know who that is. Wearing. All right. Well, I've seen I've seen that Prince Fielder jersey, so I know who that is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now. Neither, none of you are Tampa Bay Rays fans, obviously, because they don't really have no. a fan base, and none of you are Dodgers fans. Um, so, what is this experience going to be like for you guys? I mean, yeah, who, well, who are you guys rooting for? Game. 
I'm rooting for the Dodgers. The other guys I'm with, they're rooting for Tampa, it seems. Um, I'm rooting for the Dodgers because how can I root for an in-division rival in Tampa from the Yankees? Right? They knocked the Yankees out. They've been good. They've been a thorn in the side of the Yankees the past couple years. How can I root for Tampa? I'm rooting for Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, and the Dodgers all the way. You know, I'll tell you when, you know, as a, as a Yankees fan as well, I'll tell you when I decided I could not root for the Rays. Um, it came it when, when they, they were, were playing New York, New York. Division? No, no, it's specifically against the Dodgers because I don't really, I don't really like the Dodgers. So I find it weird that I'm rooting for the Dodgers over the over the Rays because I never really so had a problem you're a with the Rays. Fan, aren't you? Yeah, but I, I don't have a problem. I, you know, it's it's good for our division. It shows how competitive we are. It shows that we lost yeah. to a team that was capable of winning a World Series. I hate Kevin Cash, no. but I don't hate the Rays. I mean, I will say, though, that at the point that made me say I'm rooting for the Dodgers was when they were playing New York, New York in the Yankees dugout following their, their win in yeah. the, uh, the ALDS. Yeah. At that point, I said, I hate this team. I hope they never win a game again in the MLB. <laughs> um, I, hope they get, I hope they get swept out of the World Series. It's have, have a little grace. You just won the World Series. You know... The Yankees would never go to your dugout and mock you because you have nothing to be mocked anyway. Right. Um, but have a little grace. You know, act like right, you've right, been right. there before, even if you've only been there once in your entire organization's history. Um, but, you know, that's that's my take. I find it weird. I never had a problem with the Rays, and I've not liked the Dodgers for a long time. But it's been a, another World Series for me that I just don't really like any of the teams. So it's it's weird for me as a fan. I mean, I, I'm rooting for the Dodgers – they haven't won since the 80s. It'd be a nice thing to see them win. I don't want to see Tampa win because they're in division, even though they're a very likable team outside their manager. What really killed me on uh, Kevin Cash was when he made that stable full of guys comment a, few, uh, a while ago. I mean, that's him literally saying that he wants guys to throw at the head of the Yankees. That's threatening. That should have been suspen- That should have been a suspension. I mean, what, what do you guys think? I, yeah. I want to hear everybody back in studio. Dylan, Chris, anyone have any uh, any any thoughts on this? Wait, Dylan, Dylan, who? Dylan McCoy, Dylan's uh, new WRSU crew member. Oh, what's going on, Dylan? This is Corey, by You're the way. You're a new guy. You're a new guy. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, happy to be here. You know, definitely excited. Excited to talk to an alum. Uh, cool here at the World Series. I, I, yeah. I wish I wish the Yankees were there. I'd probably be there too, honestly. That when I bought the tickets, I was hoping the Yankees would make it. Do you have a uh, serious prediction? How many games do you think it's going to go? Who you think is going to win? Dodgers in five. I like that. I like that. How do you think it's going to go tonight? You think the Rays – how do you think Snell's going to do? I mean, he's probably one of their better pitchers, so he should – Snell's not going to make it out of the fifth inning. I agree. I agree. The, the, the Rays lost the series yesterday when they mismanaged the whole game. I agree. The Dodgers, could, the Dodgers didn't use any of their big arms. I don't think Gonsolin goes long today. I think we get to see maybe Dustin Bay or really Julio Urias really I'm, take I'm, the bulk of it. I'm excited for the playoff Kershaw narrative to end. I'm excited for him. He's been the most disrespected pitcher of his generation when statistically he's probably the best pitcher of his generation. Yeah. And he pitched it. He pitched a gem in game one. He did what he needed to do. And it'll be nice for him to get a ring because he truly deserves yeah. one because he's one of the best pitchers of the last 20 years. I will admit that I'm a, I'm not a little. I'm very disappointed that they're throwing Gonsolin out tonight. 
I was hoping to see Walker Bueller, you know, versus Snell. I was hoping that would be the matchup. But overall, it's still a beautiful place. It's not too hot. You know, there's a little, there's a nice little breeze going through. It is a very nice stadium. I, I got to ask it you is. a question, Corey. Um, All right. You know, this is the first, well, the um, – This is the second – hey, Steven. It's the second uh, series in 2020 that they're allowing fans in the stadium. I guess how different is the atmosphere with, you know, the masks, all the other precautions, 25% capacity? How different does the atmosphere feel besides the crowd, like, from a regular game? Does it feel like there's less energy or not really? I got to be honest with you. It's almost like there's – it's almost like there's no difference. There is a huge buzz. You know, everybody's wearing masks and stuff, but you really don't notice. You don't feel it. You don't feel it. It is a great, a great feeling here. You don't even notice that there's not that many fans here. So 25% feels like 100% tonight is what you're telling me. Yeah, especially with, like, the feeling in the air. It, it feels like it's 120%. It, it feels awesome, and it feels amazing to be back at a live sporting event. Great to hear it. Um, I guess to follow up on that, um, people have been giving the Rangers a lot of grief over their new stadium, saying that it you know, basically looks like a Costco with a baseball field inside of it and it has like a warehouse look. Uh, does it look a lot better in person? It looks a lot better in person. I understand the, the Costco feel, but that's a lot of part of the – that's a lot coming from the retractable roof I believe they have. They have their old stadium literally across the street. It hasn't been knocked down yet, and that looks still really nice. And it wasn't around for that long. It was, I think it was built in 94. But this new park, it's still really nice, especially inside. It is beautiful. Corey, do you ever think your first World Series you'd attend would be in Arlington between the Dodgers and the Rays? I mean – I it's know how weird. big of a Yankee fan you are. This doesn't seem like your kind of thing. It's weird. It's weird, but I'm a Yankee fan, but I'm also a baseball fan, so I'm hoping for a good game. A Dodger win, but a good game. Again, the Rays are a likable team, so I want it to be close. But I want the uh, Dodgers to come out on top. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, you, are, you are living the dream of a lot of baseball fans around the country, so – Corey, we, we thank you for calling in tonight, telling us what it's like down there. I mean, it's a it's been a big question mark. This is the probably the biggest sporting event, you know, to be yeah. have fans in it since since COVID has hit. So this is uh, a yeah, historical let me, let me that you guys are there. Thing, let me add one more thing before you guys let me go. I cannot wait to listen to WRSU on Saturday. It will be just amazing hearing you guys back on the waves. You know, Rutgers, Michigan State, it's going to be a great game, WRSU going to do a great job as always. Sacco, I'm sure, is doing a, a decent job of running the uh, department. And uh, I, I can't wait to hear you guys. You guys are going to do great. Chop on. Chop on. Thanks, Corey. Appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for making some time and calling in today. See you, guys. Again, that was Corey Jason, former, you know, not former, WRSU alum former student at Rutgers, just graduated last year. He was with the department for a few years. Um, we thank him for calling in, giving us some insight to what it's like. He is at game two of the World Series for tonight between the Dodgers and the Rays. It's going to be quite the matchup. Last night was a, uh, a good a good game to watch. 8-3, the Dodgers took game one. 
Um, so there's a there's a lot on the line for here. The Rays can't seem to fall down 0-2. Um, they don't want to fall in that big of a hole against a team with that much um, star power on the Dodgers. So it's kind of interesting. It's a tale of two teams. I'll say this. Um, you know, I think I saw something about the payroll uh, between Kershaw and Mookie Betts. I think it was the same payroll for 2020 or something as the entire Rays team. Something astronomically hard to believe like that. I mean, talk about two different approaches to how to win a World Series. The Rays really get value out of every guy, all about finding where to play a guy, how to how to get the most out of your money. And then the Dodgers, similar to the Yankees, you know, spend the big bucks, get the big guys. They bring in Mookie Betts over the offseason um, to try to get them over the hump. So it's it's something to watch. It's going to be a, an interesting matchup, a tale of two two stories, I guess. Um, you know, I, I will say this. It's, it was really weird to see the Dodgers pick of going with Kershaw to pitch in game one of the world series, not because Kershaw's a bad pitcher, um, but Kershaw might have the, the biggest stigma around him for being an awful postseason pitcher. Now we know that a lot of that has come against when he was in the world series against facing teams that were cheating. So how much value do you put to that? But it's, uh, it's, it's interesting that that was their pick, and it, I'm glad it worked out because Kershaw is, would be getting eaten alive by the media today if he somehow found a way to lose that first game. Uh, your, your guys' thoughts on deciding to go with Kershaw in game one last night? I like it because I honestly think if they go to game five or game six that he's going to be the guy to close out the series. I I don't know if that's what um uh, their manager thought of that when he was putting Kershaw for game one. But obviously getting a 1-0 lead is extremely important in a in a best-of-seven series. And it, it'll be really good for Kershaw's career if he can pitch another uh, another gem in this series and close it out for them to win his first ring. Uh, I'm happy for him. He, he deserves a lot more respect than he gets right now because he's one of the best pitchers of his generation, and he's one of the best pitchers ever, honestly. And to build off of that, I kind of look at it more from the lens of you want to get off in the series on the right foot. You don't want to fall behind in game one because then, you know, you start to get into the chaser's mentality and especially a team like the Dodgers who rightfully view themselves as the favorites in this series. You don't want to put yourself in that position. You want to start strong and start in control. So I think that more than thinking down the line to game five and six was largely the reason why they went with Kershaw in game one. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I guess the reason I was surprised is you don't want to take – I don't know. You don't want to. You don't want to take risks. I guess you could say in the World Series, at least Game One, you want to start off on the right foot. So I thought it was odd. You know, I was expecting Kershaw to be the Game Two guy just because his history with how he's pitched in the playoffs. Um, but you know, they stuck to him. They think he's their ace, so they went to him first. It's not like the Dodgers have a shallow starting rotation. They have they have some really good pitchers in there. So I don't know. I was just a little surprised. I couldn't believe that that's the guy they were going with. Um, Kershaw's been known to. To get beat up on in the playoffs. I mean, he's lost uh, quite a few games in the past few years. He kind of has that rap of being one of the worst postseason pitchers in baseball compared to how well he pitches in the regular season. So, I don't know. Just thought it was a little interesting to see that. Um, but it worked out for him. So, that, that's all that really matters. We'll see uh, how the rest of this series goes. But, again, we, we had some great insight coming from the live, live from the stadium out in Arlington from Corey just a few minutes ago. Uh, we'll step aside. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more NFL. I want to get some of Chris's thoughts on his Jets. Um, I want to see his thoughts and see how sad he is inside.
Back here on the crew, Troy, Chris, Dylan. Um, I guess we'll just talk it out. We'll talk our feelings out. We'll talk about our emotions a little bit, about some of the harder-hitting things going on in our lives right now. Um, combined between the three of us, we have a total of, wow, three wins. Three NFL wins in six weeks. I mean, that's that's some reason to be concerned for our well-being. It is a, a sad thing to say. My emotional well-being. We have three. We have. It's not even like we all root for the same team. We root for three separate teams, <laughs> and we have a combined total of three. I'm not gonna lie. My team's kind of pulling the weight around here. Um, we've got two. All for right. Myself all right. The Cowboys pulling the weight here is like the equivalent of being the tallest kindergartner. Like it's not a particular. That means a lot. Does it I was, though? I was the, one of the tallest kindergartners. Yeah. Oh well, now I've struck a nerve. Well, no, I mean, I've just, I was one of the, the tallest kindergartners and I stayed kind of tall. Uh, you're Chris, lucky. were you, you the tallest kindergartner? I was, and I stopped growing when I was 12, and I've been 5'7 ever since. Oh. So, ooh. Yeah. Ooh. See, yeah. but the, with the Sorry. Cowboys, they're the team that are the tallest kindergartner, and then they talk about it for the next 25 years. Well, I mean, it's been 15 yeah. years, and Troy's still talking about it. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Perfect match. Well, they're the most popular kid in the school, so that's fine. They was. were the most that's popular right. kid in the school was. 10 years ago. Now people just like to make fun of them. Well, at least, guess what? People still love talking about that kid the most because that's just what's the most fun to talk about and the most fun to watch. And that's why they're always America's Kid of the Week, right? The only people that call them America's team are doing it as a joke. At least for me, they are not America's team. America does not root for the Dallas Cowboys week in and week out. Oh, get out of here. Who Who's America's team then? There, I don't think there is an America's team. I think that's like... That's outdated. Who's the closest to being American? Who has what team has the most fans in this country? I mean, don't I would, kid yourself. Don't probably, think about it too hard. I'd probably say Dallas. I I think that makes the most yeah. sense. But I mean, do you want to have the yeah. most fans in the country, or do you want to win a Super Bowl? Yeah, you got to prioritize. Because like last Listen, twenty years, you haven't won thing. a Super Bowl. So, <laughs> all right. Well, your team has neither. So it's I mean, it's, it's <laughs> okay. But we're than not nothing. acting like we're like. God's gift to football, like we're just, you know, we're the Jets. Like it is what it is. I mean, we are, we are, we are God's gift to football. We, <laughs> oh we my make, God, we make NFL ratings go through the roof when my team plays. So. Yeah, people love to watch you. Put it is a, a good thing. People love to watch Kyler Murray throw eighty-yard bombs on you. I enjoyed Ouch. it. it. Oh, was, they love it. It was the highlight <laughs> of my. It's Monday great night. on both sides. It was the highlight of my Pe- Monday. People night. love watching us. The only thing people love more than watching us win is watching us lose. So it's a win-win for the Dallas Cowboys in, in TV ratings. You're either going to have people rooting hard for them or rooting hard against them. So it's it's great. It, it drives ratings to the roof, and therefore they're a gift to the NFL because they get a lot of viewers. That's why they're always America's Game of the Week, it seems like. I mean, that's gonna, fair. Just going to throw that no, out there. No, no, no. That's fair. I, I understand. Dallas is definitely a, uh, a big fan base. You know, they have a lot of... Uh... A lot of a lot of talent. They have a lot of support, but you know what is America's team is great. But like, do you want to be America's team or do you want to be America's best team, winning a Super Bowl every year? Listen, it's not always you know, it's not always all it's cracked up to be to be America's team because you take the most hate, and we have to live with that. We have to find a way to to navigate our daily life by understanding we're the the fan base that gets ripped on the most. 
Would you it's like fine. us to play the world's smallest violin for you? Like, I don't know if you're expecting to get sympathy from Go some ahead, New York football fans. No, we don't. It's uh, well, we should figure I'm out sorry. Get that on there soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's tough. I'm not gonna lie. It's tough being a Dallas Cowboys fan. We we get we get ripped on. Um, That's you like poor saying thing. it's tough being a New York Yankees fan. Oh, we lose in the playoffs. Oh wait, Troy's a Yankee and a Cowboy fan, so he gets less sympathy. I'm a of course we are. I'm <laughs> a Yankee <laughs> fan too, but I definitely understand why we don't get sympathy because we shouldn't. Because we're the evil empire. We <laughs> buy everyone. We don't really care about the rules. Uh, yeah, and I, I, you can't be mad at being the the team with the biggest fan base and taking the most hate. Those things just they come with each other. If you get one, you have to get the other. I'm fine with that. That doesn't matter. I'm I I've gotten over it at this point. It's just I think it's funny when when um everyone hates Dak Prescott until he has a a life-altering injury and now everyone's like saying how Dak Prescott's elite and he's a great quarterback and a great leader. Would you rather them still hate Dak Prescott after his career-altering injury? No, it just it shows the true colors uh, in people. I definitely think, shows the true colors. I definitely think Dallas is does get a lot of disrespect, but I think it comes from a place of there are very high expectations put on them. So like like this season is is an absolute disappointment. Like they're first in the division, and people are talking about this season like it's the worst season. It's a disappointment. It's like teams would kill to be first in their division ever at any time of the season look look at chris look at chris if if you told chris that the jets would be in first place for two weeks of the season it would make the season that'd be the best thing that happened to me since 2011 exactly if you told me the giants would be in first place which 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 they might be after this week it, it would make my entire season i i just think dallas fans maybe not dallas fans but in general Yes, Dallas fans. Um, they definitely take for granted things that like they shouldn't take for granted. Well, we're we're entitled to these things, you know. As being America's team, we're entitled. To oh be, my uh, God, we're you know, entitled dis- to, these <laughs> to be dis- to be disappointed. And yet you wonder why people bad. don't like you. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a rough it's been a rough year for us. We're not we're not used to losing this much. We're only used to losing once in the playoffs. Like it's just, it's been it's, it's been tough. It's been tough, and now we don't even have Dak anymore. And it's just been the season's over. It's over. We could we could come in first place. I don't even care, to be honest. Sunday was bad. The only thing I care about was that was that was probably it for you guys. Losing to a team that didn't even have their best, arguably their best defensive player in Chandler Jones, and still getting blown out. That's that's a tough look. Blown out. It was awful. A seventy-yard run with a minute left—that's that's tough. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. I mean, I had to watch the. Did you watch the entire game? Because I had to watch the entire game. I watched the entire thing. Uh, I had the over at fifty, and they hit forty-eight, and it made me really angry. But I was happy. How does Vegas know? They always know. It wasn't. Uh, How it, though? It was like fifty-four, and I took it at fifty-two, thinking, "Oh, this is gonna be an absolute lock." And it just wasn't. They always know. They like somehow they knew Dallas was gonna get blown out by that much, like, or they just knew that they weren't gonna score that much. I I really don't understand how they know these things. It makes me think that the NFL is rigged. Because betting over on a, on fifty for Dallas, and I mean I guess Dak wasn't playing, but still between Dallas and 
and Arizona should be a lock. Absolute uh, lock. I, and they I, somehow I, just know. I mean, I agree with you, but they they just they just know. I I don't really understand like how I can explain it, but they probably have like scientists and like I don't know who they have behind the scenes making the books, but they need a raise can you, whoever they are. Can you tell me why the person who figures these things out doesn't go bet on other books and make a ton of money? That's probably part of his contract. It's probably like a like some people have to sign a non disclosure. It's probably like a non bet. Like you can't bet anywhere else. You can't you, He gives himself really good lines. Yeah. That's a, that's a Justin thing. I feel like that's something Justin Santier would do. That's like the dream job. He can make his own lines. He could run the book. Justin like hmm. spent a lot of time making models to predict college basketball games. And then I'd walk in after the crew and he'd be all sad because his parlays didn't hit. Hmm. Well, Vegas is smarter than everybody. Honestly. Is he Vegas sp- but is something. Vegas smarter than the coin? I don't know. I I guess we got to Put the coin against Vegas? Yeah, I mean, Dennis says that Baxter's dog could predict the NFL games better than us, so we got to add that into the race, so, too. So what would that be for our case? I guess the quarter versus chalk? I guess, yeah. All right, so we'll see if the quarter beats chalk. I mean, we'll have to see. Okay. Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll create another column for us, and then we can do that. Um this is going to turn into like a 10-person race at this rate. We got the quarter. We got Baxter's dog. We got the chalk. It's going to be like we're going to have to make a new show. I don't even show. care about we're my own picks anymore. We're going to have to make a new picks show anymore. for the picks. I don't, I don't care about my own picks. I care more about the quarter's picks, to be honest. I'm, I'm impressed with the quarter. Um, you know, I, I, if, if I had to trade my picks for the quarter's picks, I'd probably trade it. It's, they've, they've got some good ones this week. It's almost making me forget, Chris. Do you want to talk about the Jets? Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? I, I, mean, I do want to talk last... about the Jets. I do. All right, go ahead. Um, yours. He, here's he, here here are my thoughts on the Jets. I think in the short term, and by short term I mean the last ten weeks of the season, they're completely screwed. Like, oh. Yes, com- that perfectly justifiable hot key given the circumstances. Uh, this is a team with minimal talent. Uh, abysmal coaching. Um, they've got a young quarterback in a really bad spot. Uh, no weapons. N- nothing really going for them. All the rookies have been hurt up to this point, so we don't even know uh, what they're looking like. Uh, it's been a rough year. But I will say this. I think the medium to long term for the Jets, starting with this draft and going through in the next couple of years, I think they have the potential to put together a really good football team. Because they have nine picks in each of the next three drafts. Remember, you start out with seven. Thirteen of those 27 picks are in the first three rounds where most of the impactful players in each year's draft go. So the New York Jets have five uh, picks in the first three rounds of this draft and five picks in the first three rounds of next year's draft. They hit on like 60% of those. Guess what? That's six impactful players on rookie deals. They've got a GM in Joe Douglas who was hired separately from Adam Gase, so you can't really tie the two together. They're not working together. They're kind of working alongside each other. Um, a guy in Joe Douglas that knows how to evaluate talent. He knows how to build a team the right way instead of throwing money at free agents. And I think that 
you know, if Jets fans are patient, if we wait for obviously Gase to get fired, but we wait for Joe Douglas to uh, make some moves this draft and put together a nice young team. Look, I think one, two years from now, we could be on the right track. I mean, it, it's got to be kind of Chris. demoralizing just to see, like, uh, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like they're not even trying out there for gays. Here's like, they, the thing they're, that they're concerns done. me. Oh, no, they're not. Oh, no, no, they're no. They're done. Put, they, put yourself in their shoes, Dylan. Would you play hard for Adam Gase? You played football? No. Okay, there we go. No. I, I don't I don't know if looking back, I, I'd play hard for my high school coach if he was an NFL coach. But I, definitely <laughs> I definitely would not play hard for Adam Gase. There's, there's no way. Troy, am I am I off the mark here? Well, no, not not at all. I just want to point this out and get your thoughts on this. If I told you okay. after what happened last season with the Jets, where your star quarterback gets mono and misses a large chunk of the season, and it seems like the sky is falling last year, yet next year is going to be worse. What would you have to say to that? Like if somehow. Sam Darnold getting mono is not like, and you guys having that type of season is not the worst thing that happened in a two-year span. What would be your response? Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I wouldn't have believed you. I would have gone into a state of denial. Uh, I just assumed that all the Jets' problem, a lot of the Jets' problems, came down in Sam Darnold waiting until he was twenty-one to get his first kiss. Um, I didn't realize how deeply rooted the Jets' problems really were. Because remember, they finished six and two last year. Once Darnold was back, Darnold had a winning record last year. So I, I think, look, say what you want about what you thought the Jets would be this year. No one expected them to be this bad. Like this is like, I'm not convinced that they would beat the 0 and 16 Lions from 08, or the 0 and 16 Browns from 2017. I don't know. The 0 and 16 Lions had Calvin Johnson, so I mean, that's who 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 are you going to defend him with? I I love Bless Ron Austin being a Rutgers fan, but I'm sorry. That's the Bless not, Austin, that's not but happening. Bless Austin. All right, I'm not I'm not comparing him to Calvin Johnson, but um, but Bless Austin is one of the pieces I'd like them to keep going forward. I think he's a solid corner, especially considering they got him in the sixth round. Rutgers boy too. Yeah. Go Knights. Is there any college football team of all time that you think could beat this Jets team? Because it should be the answer should be no. A college team should never be able to beat an NFL team. Um, but no, I don't think coaching. no, because it's just such a different level of competition. But I would say this: I'm saying the best ever. Yeah, the best. best I would, football team if you took ever. the best ever college football team, I think they could be competitive against the Jets, which is bad with, enough with in its own coach. right. Yes. Because that's that's the big that's the big selling point there. It's a coaching. If you, have a, if you have a team with with good athletes and a good coach, I think you have a better chance at beating a miscoached team. Oh, no doubt. Their team, but or non-coach. You also team. have to keep in mind, Troy. Like, yeah. as as not good as the Jets are, they their roster is still better, largely better than how they've performed. Like, even the most pessimistic observers did not see this team being zero and six. Like they should be good enough to win a couple games. Zero yeah, and sixteen was not started. even considered like to be an option going into this year. Since the season started, though, you've had injuries and you've lost players to free agency somehow. Yeah, not free agency, but trading. Well, the injuries, so, but the like, injuries have been a big part of it too. I mean, Mackay Becton, you know, your franchise left tackle that you drafted this year, he's been out the last couple of weeks. Obviously, we know the deal with Sam Darnold hurt again. Uh, Denzel Mims, who I think is arguably the second most talented 
guy in the draft. He was drafted in the second round, wide receiver out of Baylor. He still hasn't made his debut because he's had hamstring problems. But I think he's going to be a stud long-term. You know, I think that this team has some young pieces already, but they're still very far away from getting to where they need to go. And the impression I get, and I really hope I'm wrong about this, the impression I get is that they've already moved on from Sam Darnold and that he's not in their plans. I'm not saying I agree with that. I think I think I think that's what's happened here. USC quarterbacks if, if, in the NFL. All right, no, no, no. I want to hear what Troy has to say here. I don't want to hear about USC quarterbacks. I've heard that so many times. Going back to Sanchez. <laughs> so USC quarterbacks in the NFL. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, Chris, if they do have the number one pick, do you want Trevor Lawrence at this point? Here's the thing. Here's I kind of go back and forth on this. On the one hand, if you have the number one overall pick and it looks more and more likely like the New York Jets will, it's very, very difficult. And I even say this as a Darnold fan. It's very, very difficult to pass on him. But that being said, think about it this way. And I don't think enough Jet fans are thinking in these terms. If you draft Trevor Lawrence, you're not just passing up Sam Darnold. You're passing up on whatever teams will be willing to offer you for the number one overall pick, which is likely to be a boatload of draft capital, maybe a couple players, whatever that package looks like. It's going to be a ton. Like, it's going to be something that can further recharge your rebuild. I mean, look at, here's an example I'll give you, even though it's not necessarily the exact same situation. Look at the Raiders. The Raiders were a middling team. John Gruden gets hired. Guess what he does? Trades away a couple players, gets a ton of picks back. Fast forward two years, guess what? They're one of the one of the better teams in the NFL. So the question comes, what do you value more? Moving on from Sam Darnold and getting Trevor Lawrence or committing to Sam Darnold because he's 23 years old and he still has a ton of talent, even though the coaching has held him back to this point. Commit to Sam Darnold and get as many talented young players on rookie deals as possible around him so your team can compete and still have a bunch of cap space left over. What 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 would you what do you think is the better move, honestly? Uh honestly, I would I would trade back in the draft. I wouldn't take Trevor Lawrence. I wouldn't. I, don't I think... I'm leaning towards I, I'm I'm leaning towards that option. I, I tend to agree. And, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. The the number one overall pick and the number one quarterback to be taken at the number one overall pick in recent history with the NFL, none of them have really worked out that well. Like, it's not always about drafting the number one prospect. That doesn't mean anything, it seems like. The best quarterbacks in the league right now were not drafted number one overall. I mean, let's let's run back real quick about the number one overall quarterbacks and the number one overall pick. So both. They have to be both. You have to be a quarterback and the number one overall pick. In recent history, Joe Burrow last year, Kyler Murray the year before, Baker Mayfield the year before. Prior to that, Jared Goff, Jameis Winston, Andrew Luck, who was very good, Cam Newton, who was good, Sam Bradford, Matthew Stafford, Alex Smith, Eli Manning, Carson Palmer, and then Michael Vick all the way back in 2001. Before I got to Michael Vick, and prior to that was Peyton Manning, so before Michael Vick and Peyton Manning, none of the quarterbacks I said were ever the best player in the NFL. Ever. I mean, look at the top quarterbacks right now. 
Russell Wilson was drafted in the third exactly. round. But even the ones that go exactly. in the first round, like guys like Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, they were taken in the middle of the draft. And guess what? None of those teams tanked. Mahomes was looked at as a massive reach at the time, too. Yeah. They, they were seen as yeah. dumb for trading up to get him. Yeah. I, I, I'm not all in on the, we think this, the number one pick, the number one quarterback in the draft is going to be the best. I just don't think that's it anymore. I really don't. At the end of the day, the NFL is a different game than college football. Trevor Lawrence dropping 70-plus points on a Georgia Tech team when he plays in an awful football division in the ACC. He's very good at what he's doing. But for what the Jets could get out of trading to him or trading that pick down to another team, I'm with you, Chris. I think there's more value in that. And it's not like the Jets have nothing. Sam Darnold is not that bad of a quarterback. He's really not. He's really not. Um, and that's coming from me. I've been I've criticized Sam Darnold before, but I'm just I don't think I think it's it's a he's a, a cheap answer for someone saying yes we need we need Trevor Lawrence because he's the number one overall. And people who make those types of decisions are the teams that stay bad for a long amount of time. Notice the best teams in the league are not the teams that took the number one overall quarterback. I mean, we talked about it last week. The Seahawks, are one of the best teams in the league. Uh, we talked about the the. The Chiefs being one of the best teams in the league. We talk about, you know, look at Tom Brady. What does that tell you? It's not just about being the number one prospect. And I don't. I think, uh, Chris, I'm sorry to say, but I think the Jets are one of those teams that are going to draft Trevor Lawrence. I don't think your ownership and your management is smart enough to No, see I that. agree. I, I mean, and I will say this. They, think, they do already have a decent amount of extra draft capital already. Like I mentioned, five picks uh, in the first three rounds this year and five picks in the first three rounds next year, four first-rounders in the next two years. Like they've got some draft capital already. But they have an opportunity, if they're smart about this, to really build the right way and really set the team up for long-term success. And guess what? If you do all, if you do what I'm saying right now, you commit to Sam Darnold, and two years from now you realize he's not the guy, guess what? You're still in a much better position than you are right now because you have a team built around for a successful quarterback to come in and you know take you over the hump. If it's not Sam Darnold, guess what? You could draft someone in the middle of the first round like the Chiefs or the Texans did. Or or you could even trade for a guy, get a guy in free agency, depending on what the market looks like in two years, which who knows what it will. I'll put it to you this way. I think it's better to have a good team built around a quarterback and not have the quarterback than to have a young quarterback and have nothing around him. Because you can work with one, but you can't work with the other. Am I missing any Chris, of the mark here at all? No, but the, you know the Jets are going to do that. I know the they Jets are. Jets are going to see a shiny I know they object are. and take I know. Trevor Lawrence. I know, yeah. because ever, their actions, you know, not re-signing Robbie Anderson, trading away Le'Veon Bell, all their actions indicate that they're hitting a hard reset and they're giving up on him. And I think that's I mean, going to come back a... and bite them in the rear end two years from now when Sam Darnold's balling on another team and the Jets are still trying to get back into the playoffs. And that's not to say anything bad about Trevor Lawrence, but... The problems go so much deeper than that. It's, and there's a reason you see the same teams at the top of every single draft. There's a reason you don't, you know, you see the Jets, um, you know, that you see Washington, that you see the Browns usually. It's starting to become um, the Giants too. They're starting to be yeah, one of those the teams Giants that shows are, up at the beginning of the draft a lot. The, the Giants are going to make their way. The Dolphins were there for a while. Um, the Bucks were there for a while. Like, there's these teams. What do they all have in common? 
Um, obviously not the Giants. That's only been a new thing because they had Eli Manning for so many years. But these teams are open to to drafting these flashy names, thinking that a quarterback is going to solve the issue for their entire team. And it's just so false. I mean, it, it stinks for these guys at the top of the draft. Because look at a guy like Joe Burrow, who might be very, very good. But right now he's stuck in a Cincinnati team. And he's going to have a very hard time, a very hard time getting out and making that team good. Now... I mean, you can think about some players who were drafted later and turned out to be good quarterbacks. And I'd argue, you know, it's not because they were just such a, a diamond in the rough that made them so good, like Russell Wilson. It also helps that Russell Wilson kind of stepped into a good team with a good coach. It's the same thing. If, if Joe Burrow was dropped and he, he fell late in the draft and he was drafted by the Seahawks, that team would also be good. The toughest thing for these number one guys, and this is this is to prove my point, you see these number one overall draft picks as quarterbacks. Teams select them thinking it's going to change their entire team's outlook. It doesn't, and fans think it's because the quarterback wasn't good enough, so we need a new quarterback. And you fall into an endless cycle thinking that one guy can fix your entire team. It's not about that. Drafting a quarterback at the number one spot when your team has nothing else around it is not going to save your team. Yet you see year after year a team thinking it will. And then you see... No offense, Dylan, but you see teams drafting guys like Daniel Jones in the top seven picks in the draft because there's only a few quarterbacks in that draft and they think he's the guy. Or you see Dwayne Haskins going pretty early. Like, just because you need a quarterback doesn't mean you have to drop a top 10 overall pick on it. There's other things that your team needs. Dylan, there was other things that the, the, the Giants needed. Josh but Allen they to was go with still there. At number six, but I mean, and that is the biggest even thing. If Josh... No, 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 not the quarterback, Josh Allen, the, the defensive oh, Josh oh. Allen. Yes. Oh, yes. 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 That was huge. I was going to say that like... was that was my number six pick if he was going to fall, and I wanted to take Jones at seventeen, but uh, I think Gettleman, uh, not that he was thinking in in a right mind at all, but his thinking was if you're going to get a guy, a quarterback, you might as well take him as early as you can, so no one else can take him, even though. No one else was probably going to take him that early as we were going to. That's such a it's such a bad way of thinking about things too. Like, it's just bad general managers that that and bad owners that think that way. The fact that you think one quarterback is going to make your team that good, Patrick Mahomes is a rare rare occurrence. And notice how he wasn't drafted super high. But to be honest, at this point in time. I really believe Patrick Mahomes is the only quarterback in this league that could make the Jets a decent team right now. I'm, I'm also including Lamar Jackson, who, who I don't think could do that for the Jets. You know, I'm, I'm remembering Russell Wilson. All great quarterbacks, but to be honest, Patrick Mahomes is the only guy that I think that could make the Jets semi-okay. Not even a playoff team, but like they'd win a few games here or there. It's not just the fact that you draft a good quarterback, you're going to be a good team. You have to let that quarterback have more than three seconds before he's getting hit every single play. You have to give that quarterback weapons. You have to build that team on defense so the quarterback can stay off the field for more than five minutes at a time. Like, it's not as simple as here's a really highly touted prospect coming out of college football, even though he plays for Clemson and that team is just a phenomenal team and either play no one like, don't even get me started on that. Clemson faces real no, really no competition throughout the year by playing in that division that's just been awful recently. They get Florida Notre Dame State, in two awful. weeks. That should be a good game. So Hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll see. see. I mean, but look at Notre Dame. They build their schedule. It's not like they've proven that they're a great team in recent history. Uh, they go to bowl games and they get beat. That is true. 
That is true. It's like it, it's tough to see them every year go five and zero, be ranked number two in the nation, and then lose to someone that no one knows, yes. and then lose another three games. Yeah, the the only divisions that have my like utmost respect about having a hard game every single week almost. Obviously, there's some outliers like Rutgers, who's you know, but the SEC and the Big Ten are the only divisions that I'd say, hey, they have a hard, hard schedule. But for a team like Clemson, like what does it matter? You beat you beat Georgia Tech by seventy. Like so, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not just Trevor Lawrence. Well, they get to a, play it, NC State and Syracuse in the same schedule. Like let's show them seriously. some respect, Troy. It's such a cake the same walk. Syracuse it's team that just lost to Liberty walk. Mutual University. <laughs> oh my god, Liberty! I love how you call them that. I love that. They're six and zero now. They're a good team to bet on. They 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 went. They're good. They went every week. I've been watching the last couple it's, of their games. They look good. It's it's but my, to my point, it's not even like Trevor Lawrence is doing this to real teams. He's not doing this to Big Ten SEC teams. If that was if he was doing that, I'd be a little more impressed. Now Trevor Lawrence, they're saying is like the greatest prospect to ever come out of college football. He looks very good, right? But let's just relax a little bit, all right? Please, please. I know he's beaten Alabama. I know he's won those games, but the rest of the season is a cakewalk. It's like open practice for him with who he plays like his yeah. toughest competition each year is is miami and florida state and florida state isn't even their toughest competition that's just a name and and guess what troy he gets to beat up on those teams with a bunch of five-star recruits yes he's surrounded by five-star recruits and i'm not saying so that he's not what? a stud but i'm just saying like it's he's not he wouldn't look as good on another team no he wouldn't and 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 to make a fair comparison of what a uh, Trevor Lawrence in the NFL would be like, it'd be like if Trevor Lawrence played for Georgia Tech against Clemson. That's what it would look like for him to play for the Jets next year. Because if 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 they go with Trevor Lawrence, right, and you know it's going to take time to rebuild that organization, he's going to be playing against teams that are better than him. And that's something he hasn't done. That shows that he's not, he's, he's played, obviously he's played in the national championship game in the playoffs and they've played good teams, but even in the playoffs, most of the time Clemson's always the best team because they have the most five-star recruits and they're well coached for him to come into the NFL. He's going to be in, in rare territory. He's going to be playing against teams that are better than him playing against quarterbacks that are better than him playing with coach against coaches that are better than his coach. And sometimes I don't know. Like that's I think that's a factor of why I wouldn't want to draft a quarterback. I'd rather have a guy that has shown me he's not always playing for the best team on the field, but he's still capable of winning. And notice the some of the best quarterbacks that have come out recently. I mean Patrick Mahomes, Texas Tech. They were not the best team on the field every single week. It's it's impressive. I mean, look at Russell Wilson. Where did he come from? Wisconsin, right? Yes, he was at playing Wisconsin. Against re, playing against against really good teams like we'll we'll see how joe burrow turns out but he came from the sec at least he was playing against very good teams every single week i'm just not that impressed with trevor lawrence i know he puts up crazy numbers i know they beat teams by 70 but like to be honest like they should be when your team is only compri- like comprised of five-star recruits and you're coached by you know Dabo sweeney and you're playing against teams with you know who passed the ball twice in a game like you should be winning by 70 52 nothing yeah, that should be the score every single time they step out of the field and they and, walk off because and Troy, they play against nobody. And, and you talk about how a quarterback isn't enough. 
I mean, look at the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott is as good of a quarterback as you could ask for. Yes. And 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 they built an offense around him, but he's got no defense, so he's lo- he was losing a bunch of shootouts before he got hurt. Yep. Well, now they have the Red Rocket throwing so, the ball for him, and they can't even win the shootouts because they can't shoot. Chris, I don't I don't know how certain people get to the highest level of their profession and become general managers for NFL teams for a few years, and then they get fired ultimately because they make stupid decisions like this. I really don't know how guys or people make it to that level of their of their career and still fall into the trap of I'm going to draft the shiny, you know, the shiny recruit coming out of college because it's to me it just seems like such an obvious bad move for teams that have so many other blaring holes. Um I just don't get how they have jobs. Like it it seems like an easy decision it's for It's called me. I think failing the Jets upwards, are, Troy. I guess I guess I I think the Jets are moronic if they take Trevor Lawrence. I've really talked myself into that on this today. I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. I really don't know what the best decision is. But after walking through that, I think the Jets are moronic. You really think Trevor Lawrence, a guy who plays 10 games a year against nobodies, is going to step in and fix the Jets and have them beating other high-caliber NFL teams? Because I don't. I don't think he will. I think you're right. I think the Jets need to think long and hard about what they're passing up if they decide to pick Trevor Lawrence. Even if Trevor Lawrence is the guy, it, I feel like it'd be smarter to put whoever the quarterback is in a better position to succeed. And then, like I said before, if Sam Darnold doesn't work out, guess what? You're still way further ahead to being a competitive team because you have everything else figured out, which is hard. And then you just have to fill the quarterback hole. How are the Miami Dolphins a better run team than the Jets? They fired Adam Gase. Like, like look what they did with Tua. Like, what they did with Tua was brilliant, to be honest. Like, they saw, do we have a team that's capable of winning some games so we don't discourage our quarterback completely and put him into a team that's going to go 0-16? So let's test the waters with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Let's see if we're capable of winning games. Let's give this team a little time to wake up, um, to, to come in and to, to get to know each other. And let's find a quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick who we know is going to be completely supportive of the next guy we bring in, who understands his role. That is brilliant management for the Miami Dolphins. Brilliant. And now look at this. They have a few, a couple wins under their belt. Tua stepping into a system, playing for a team that has a good defense, who has a few guys on offense that can make some plays, who's capable of beating teams like the 49ers when they're hurt. Props to them. They did it perfectly. They did it perfectly, and they're a sneaky competitive team because the Dolphins last year they went five and eleven, I think. But years prior, they made the playoffs with Ryan Tannehill once. Like they were never the we get two wins and that's it. They were always around the five hundred mark with not much, and with Adam Gase as their coach for a little while. Props to them for their new management coming in and understanding that they don't have to drop trade up to get the number one overall pick in the draft to get Joe Burrow that there's other quarterbacks out there, even though they drafted, what, two at five or four. But guess what? Five. They did other things in the offseason. They built a defense. They, they've been putting in the legwork for the past few years, and they've been building pieces to put around their star players. And because of that, Ryan Fitzpatrick is capable of getting a couple wins this season, and now Tua can step in and have a chance. That's what the Jets need to do. They can't afford to waste a number one overall pick on a position that isn't even close to their highest need right now. You could draft, the Jets could draft the entire offensive line in the first three rounds this year. They have enough picks to do that. Do that. 
or you can get an offensive lineman, a wide receiver, uh, a pass rusher, a corner. Like you could imp- you, plus with those whatever picks, you get for Trevor yes, Lawrence. Yes, for those picks, you could get like one or two guys at each position of need over the next two years. And guess what? Oh. Yeah, you'll have to pay Sam Darnold more because his, his rookie deal will be up. But guess what? You won't have to pay any of the other guys around him because they'll all be on rookie deals. Save a ton of money, bring also, in a couple free agents, and guess what? You're balling. You're balling. You could also shock the sports world and take Panay Sewell at number one. No, no, you gotta. Uh, no, I love Panay Sewell's a stud. He's a stud. He's a stud. But I would do that if the offers for Trevor Lawrence weren't as good. You'd as, have to trade down to like two or three, yes. probably. Which in that is, scenario, I would love it. But yeah. You could probably get a fortune for that first pick too. A team that that's what I'm just saying. That's what I'm saying, Dylan. They'll probably give the house. Yeah. No, I, I I'm with I'm with you on that. I'm with you. I mean, let's like what team would be interested in trading up to that number one pick? Uh, well, we gotta think about teams that need a quarterback. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, who would be interested in in doing that? I don't know if the Raiders would trade up though. Like the Jaguars. I would they say have, they have the capital, Jaguars could. It. Um. The Lions, maybe. I mean, I guess, but if the Jacksonville Panthers? trades up, like you yeah, because Jacksonville the same thing right now, Jets. yeah, I'm looking at the draft order right now. If the draft were today, Jacksonville would have five and twenty-three. You could package those two picks to move up to one, and the Jets would have then they would have four first rounders in one draft. Four. How about the Panthers? Like you don't necessarily need to take draft picks. There's assets on those teams they would trade for. I'm sure you could take yeah. a first and a, and, a, and a stud player. I like, mean, Trevor Lawrence, they are saying in a very good position. Like, he is so highly touted coming out of this, and he will be bait for a team to make a stupid decision to trade up for like that. Yeah. It, it, like, but now the question is who's smarter? The, are the Jets smarter, or is the idiot team that gets lucky and the Jets don't accept their offer to trade up smarter? Like, the Jets are in a great position right now. They, I think they're moronic if they don't take a deal, a good deal that includes two first rounders or a high first-rounder with a stud player attached? I don't know. That might be a tough look, though. They, they've they spent the past couple of years trading away all their stars. And, I mean, like, if you look at, like, guys like Jamal Adams, um, they just caught Le'Veon. Yeah, I think it's a tough look when you have the number one pick and the guy who could be the next franchise, the franchise savior, essentially, and just passing on him and saying, well, we can get more value down the road or other players that have never played an NFL snap will be, like, better for us. I think that's just a hard look, especially when it's Trevor Lawrence, a guy who's been the number one prospect, the number one pick of this draft since his freshman year of college. I mean, they're just trying to go young, maybe, you know? They're trying to go young. I can understand that. Going young and it's is not, not like Sam Darnold's thing. been that bad. He really has. It's, it's not like Sam he's Darnold has been that bad. He's had look. I'll put it to you this way: He's making a lot of the same. The reason why people are souring on him, besides you know the win loss record, is um, people have soured on him because he's making a lot of the same mistakes he's made as rookie. But guess what? He's still only twenty three years old. This is stuff that can be fixed. Get a new coach in there. He's young. He's talented. He's got all the intangibles, and just make it happen with Sam Darnold, and that's how the Jets will win. He's gotten better and his team has gotten worse. That's yes. That's all I'm going to say. His team, is, his team, his ownership, his ownership and his management have let him down by letting his team get worse around him, which has made it harder for him to, to progress. And because of that, 
that makes me fully think that they're going to trade him and draft Trevor Lawrence and they're going to make that stupid move. And for that, Chris, I'm sorry that you should not have to deal with that because it is a moronic move that you know the Jets are going to make. So, my, my, you know, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers for you, Chris, that they're, they're smarter than that, that they make the right decision, but we'll see. If history hope shows so. that much, then if, if history proves anything, and if, you know, the same people who decide let's hire Adam Gase, you know, say that this is the right thing to do, then it probably is not looking too hot for you, but we'll see. We'll see. Again, this was the Wednesday edition of the crew, Troy, Chris, Dylan. We appreciate you guys for listening. Um, again, the best edition of the crew Wednesday. Make sure to come back, listen to us next week. We'll we'll break down our picks from week six. We'll see if the quarter is the smartest person in the room. Again, this was the Wednesday edition. Troy, Chris, Dylan, you're listening to WRSU FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org.